You're listening to the Red Wave Report, the number one rated Fresno State podcast, the official free podcast of theparkboard.com. The thoughts and opinions are that of the show hosts and in no way reflect the thoughts and opinions of the university. Welcome back, everyone, to another edition of the Red Wave Report. I'm Rizzoic, your host of the show, being joined, as always, by Jackson Moore. And Jackson, how are you doing after having a week off? I'm doing well. Uh, you know, I didn't uh, cover a whole lot of week, but I didn't have my content up. I just had to focus on four of the teams playing last weekend that I covered. So uh, now for two years back to Fresno State and with this big uh, UConn game coming up. Did, did you enjoy some time off? Oh, absolutely. I was able to kind of, uh, kind of, you know, get get a little bit of rest, you know, because we've got all those injuries ourselves that we're dealing with <laughs> ourselves. So, uh, but not as bad as what the Bulldogs are dealing with, which is what we're going to touch upon next. And I don't know, Jackson, from what it, it looks like for the Bulldogs, there's quite a bit of an adjustment that they're going to have to be doing, especially heading into the next game against UConn. And you got a chance to kind of sit down and listen to what the updates were about the uh, Fresno State injury uh, and the depth chart. And so what does this mean for the Bulldogs moving forward from this day forward? Surprise, uh, surprise. Yeah, yeah. I mean, Coach Hesper pretty much listed everyone at week to week, which you, you can kind of, I mean, that could be Boise State next week. It could be who knows when. Read re- <laughs> so, between the lines. Week to week could be from now until the end of the season. <laughs> we have right. no idea. And then you look at the variety of the injuries, and you've got guys, you know, we've got a detailed report on the insider board. I've been out of practice all this week, and been updating more in depth but you know you've got some guys that don't look like they hardly have any injury at all walking around fine just not practicing and then you've got other guys on mobility scooters and then guys that aren't there at all so it's kind of a wide range of players that are hurt within that week to week what it actually looks like in person so uh, we do know that the one concrete piece of info we do have is that some players are definitely out this week that includes Jake Hayner and Evan Williams, of course. Uh, Hayner was listed week to week, and we heard from Coach Tedford last before this on Monday that they didn't expect it to be season-ending, so you would anticipate that nothing has quite really changed there. And then when it comes to Evan Williams, uh, he was also listed as week to week, which there was concern after the USC game that he might have something a lot more serious and I would assume that by being listed week to week and not out for the season, that uh, it may not have been a worst case scenario for him and that there may be an opening to see him play soon. But uh, based off of what I've seen, I've got a hard time seeing those two guys come back in the very immediate future. Bulldogs also announced that Dante Bull will not play this week. He's out. Uh, Raymond Scott, who we did not see with a serious injury against USC, uh, is also listed out with injury. He's not on the depth chart either. So, those four guys are definitely out. There's a lot of other players dealing with bumps and bruises. We've been reporting uh, exclusively on the VIP board, probably a fifth starter, not going to be able to play. It's looking like, so uh, that's kind of what Fresno state's dealing with. Uh, some of the good news is that UConn is apparently dealing with even more injuries. So 
Uh, it's not like a, a fully loaded Huskies team is going to be in a spot to potentially take advantage of all this. Uh, their injury situation seems almost worse than Fresno State's. Uh, their starting quarterback they got from Penn State got injured after throwing just one or two passes in a season opener. He's out for the year, and it's just been a total monsoon of injury since then. I even saw an article today where head coach Jim Mora was talking about putting a 300-pounder in at running back because he's one of the few guys that <laughs> played running back in high school, one of their linemen. So uh, it's pretty desperate over there too and should be a, a good situation for a shorthanded Bulldog team to, to not slip up this week. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, this is one on the on the schedule that we weren't too concerned about. However, uh, when you're going into this game without your starting quarterback and without your 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 defensive captain as well, it 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 does raise a little bit of concern for the Bulldogs that uh, you know the injuries are starting to mount. Is that something that the Bulldogs should be worried about heading into this game? I mean, it definitely hurts them, uh, uh, clearly. But uh, it does feel like that they are well-prepared. I mean, what we saw from Logan Fife at USC, I think, was probably better than anyone expected. Uh, I assume, uh, myself included, just about anyone would have figured there would have been a massive drop-off from Hayner to whoever else would have been able to go in. And, you know, Fife moved the ball. They moved it into scoring territory four times. They scored a touchdown, missed a field goal, could have had two more scores where they – kind of we're in desperate situation to go for it. And, um, so I think you should feel pretty confident about the offense. And defensively, um, you know, that, that whole unit definitely needs to play a bit better than they have the two games previously. And losing Evan Williams hurts. But, again, safety is one of the more loaded positions they have with guys like Christian Gordon, with Elijah Gates, who hasn't even been starting, who was the main piece last year. Um, LJ Early has been starting this year. Even Comstock, Kosi Agina, they've got options. Definitely, it hurts to not have Williams out there, but they do have some other pieces. And I think in general, I mean, you look at the starting lineup, maybe it'll be tougher or concerning or to the point where you really feel it against teams like even Boise State and San Jose State and San Diego State, teams that aren't setting the world on fire by any means, but should be more of the more competitive teams they have still to go. Uh, maybe it shows itself then, but I don't see it being too much of a problem for them this weekend. Uh, we've also learned the team's going to leave on Thursday. There shouldn't be any weird airplane situations like the last <laughs> time they went to Hawaii and we're all the guys were apparently all exhausted before the game ever started and suffered that, that upset loss. So it doesn't look like there should be any excuses about travel. They just have to maybe taper expectations a little bit without Hainer without, uh, and uh, without Williams out there, that's definitely a blow. Yeah, and, and we should all know that, uh, you know, air, air flight in general is very unpredictable. So anything can happen at any time, right, Jackson? I mean, <laughs> I've been there. <laughs> it's not, not fun to deal with. So especially when you're trying to travel from one coast to the other, things can get a little tricky. And let's just hope that for the Bulldogs, they have a smoother trip than I did to when I headed over to New York. Uh, so hopefully they'll have a better time than I did trying to trying to go from one place to the other. But, you know, for the Bulldogs, um, because of the injuries, that's kind of shifted things around a little bit as far as the depth charts are concerned. Any major moves that you can see that happened uh, because of these injuries? Yeah, there certainly are. In fact, um, you know, Fresno State 
the official depth chart from the coaching staff hadn't changed since the very first game. And even that game, as we discussed over after that game, that the lineups that the Bulldogs went with were quite a bit different from the depth chart that we were given. So uh, the depth chart that was updated after the bye week is very, very different, both from a lot of positions just in general and, and also from the injuries, too. Uh, obviously, a quarterback, that's a big one, where Logan Fife was confirmed as the starter. Uh, Jalen Henderson was confirmed as the backup quarterback. And uh, it doesn't sound like there's any plans to play two quarterbacks. They're going to go with Fife unless there's a reason uh, to go on to Henderson. Um, but it doesn't sound like it's going to be part of the plan to play more than one QB. Um, running back, receiver, and tight end were all unchanged, but does sound like Malik Sherrod's going to be more active in the offense after what he did at USC. Definitely earned some more playing time there. Uh, the defense, every position, is, looks a little bit different. Um, Bulldogs finally moved uh, Devo Bridges officially from in to tackle. He started all three tackle games at tackle uh, on the defensive line, and that has bumped some things around. Uh, Johnny Hudson's been moved up to the second team. Uh, you'll probably notice Leonard Payne and Matt Lawson are not listed on the two deep, but I would assume you're probably going to see them still play. The Bulldogs list eight defensive linemen on the depth chart, but uh, they've played 10 or more every game. Uh, another new name on the depth chart is Demarcus Johnson, who missed the first two games with injury, got to play a little bit against USC and got a sack. So he's on the second team now where Bridges was previously listed at end. Uh, you look at linebacker where Raymond Scott's going to be out. They bumped up uh, Phoenix Jackson officially to the second team. He played quite a bit at USC too as well, while Scott was healthy. So that's not too big of a surprise. Uh, Zeke Branham uh, still rounds up the depth chart there. Um, and at safety, you also have quite a bit of changes with Krishan Gordon listed as the replacement starter for Evan Williams, which comes as a bit of a surprise. Uh, they still have Elijah Gates on the second team. Stephen Comstock has also moved up to the second team. And don't count out Kosi Aguina either. But Coach Tedford uh, was first to clarify that um, just because you see Gordon listed as a starter, it wasn't set in stone. They've been having the guys compete for it all week long and probably going to see quite a bit of a rotation. Um, you know, even though Early is not listed as a starter, he has played the majority, or excuse me, even though Elijah Gates is not listed as a starter, he's played the majority of the game in different packages that the, this new defense has used. So um, that's kind of the fallout and the adjustments from the injuries and just generally what's happened in the, the bye week. So offensive line as well, important to clarify that Dante Bull being out, they do have Braylon Nelson back to replace his right tackle spot. Nelson was not able to play at USC. He has been cleared to play this week. So that's good news because the feeling has been all season that the dogs have three good tackles. They've been rotating them when healthy so far this season. And uh, But if you were without Nelson and Bull, that it might be uh, some trouble for the O-line further than, than what we've seen already so far. So good news there that Nelson is in. Uh, the rest of the O-line should be pretty consistent. Uh, Jacob Isaiah was officially listed as a starter at left guard. He started the last two games. So uh, if you go on the barkboard.com, we've got a breakdown of the whole depth chart, and you can see it visually as um, it is a little bit to take in with uh, about all but four position units seeing some pretty significant changes. Yeah, it's uh, it's definitely something that uh, uh, we haven't seen in quite some time, the injury bug hitting the Bulldogs as hard as it's hit so far this year uh, compared to what 
the last few years have been, Jackson, this is kind of, it seems like uh, one of worst case scenarios for the Bulldogs happening right now. Yeah, it's been a, a while since they've suffered a, such a critical injury like this, and, or injuries like this, really. I mean, to have your star players potentially, uh, they're named week to week, but it does feel like some of these injuries are going to be tough to come back from pretty soon. Um, you know, the, the last one I can think of that comes to mind is Philip Thomas in 2012, uh, 2011, excuse me, going down with the, the season-ending injury just before the season opener. Uh, it was really tough for the Bulldogs to, to bounce back from that one. And thankfully, he came back even better uh, the following year, an All-American type of season. But yeah, the, the Bulldogs have had some bouts with injuries here or there, but uh, they haven't really had too many of these critical ones to their star players over recent years. And uh, their starting quarterbacks have stayed healthy even when they've been dinged up. We've seen Jake Hayner play through pain, but this is just one that he's not going to be able to, to get through. Yeah, so it's definitely been a little bit uh, uh, of a downfall for the Bulldogs as far as injuries are concerned. However, uh, the depth that of talent that the Bulldogs have uh, should help uh, at least for the next couple of games uh, try and get things uh, under control. Uh, but moving into this game... Fresno State's going to take on UConn. And now, like I said before, this isn't a game that was really too concerning for the Bulldogs. And even with the injuries, should still f- be a, a contest that uh, the Bulldogs are heavily favored in. And, uh, you know, let's let's start trying to break it down, Jackson. Let's, let's go ahead and, and do the matchup. Fresno State's offense versus Connecticut's defense, and even with Hayner out, should still be very overmatched, right, Jackson? Yeah, you would think so. I mean, this UConn team, they haven't had a lot of success in general. Um, They've had a tough go of it recently. They've had a really tough schedule, but they started off with Utah State. They played them pretty tough, actually led a good portion of that game, and that looked impressive at the time. We now know the Aggies are suddenly uh, looking pretty bad. So that game doesn't feel as a, as big of a deal at this point anymore. Uh, they did beat an FCS program, Central Connecticut, 28-3. to So considering that UConn did lose to an FCS school last year, uh, you can say they're at least better than the last season's team based off of that. But they had to play Syracuse. They got blown out. They had to go to a top five team in Michigan. Lost that one fifty nine zero. Another highly ranked team in NC State last week, forty one to ten. And there's some good and bad with that. I mean, I think when you compare it to Fresno State, a lot of times when they are big underdogs like UConn is in this situation, um, sometimes it's just hard to come out of the gates fast when you're not used to the speed and the strength that opposing teams are, are going to present you. Um, but teams like when Fresno State goes to Oregon, like last year, you know, they started off slow, they kind of settled down, figured it out, and played a good three quarters after that. Um, but for UConn, that shouldn't be an issue since they've played three very good Power 5 schools the last couple of weeks. The bad news for them is that they have just been absolutely decimated by injuries. Again, even worse than Fresno State, playing those bigger schools has taken its toll on this roster for the Huskies. Uh, but when you do look specifically at the defense and um, kind of the personnel there, they, it, it's a lot. I mean, it's quite a bit older at a lot of positions, especially linebacker. It's a three-four defense, 
and it's all upperclassmen, two graduate seniors uh, in that unit. Uh, again, a three-four scheme, so you're usually expecting bigger defensive linemen up front. Uh, they do have you know, some some size at nose tackle. They're not huge uh, tackle or you know the type of massive body. Sometimes you see at nose, their starter is going to come in at six-three and two-ninety, so shouldn't be overly imposing for the interior line. But they do have you know more of the size at those end positions since it's just a three-man front. You're going to see. Uh, 6'2", 3'11", at one defensive end spot, and uh, 6'6", 2'70", at another end spot. So uh, a little more uh, beef you know, on, against the outside edges of the guards and the inside of the tackles. You're going to have a little bit larger bodies there than the Bulldogs are usually used to. And typically these types of defenses try to eat up some space up front and send blitzes with the linebackers or clean up plays with the inside backers and Again, they've got quite a bit of uh, experience and, and older guys in that unit. So that's one to watch, especially when you assume Fresno State's probably going to run the ball more this week with Logan Fife getting his first start and with Mims and Sherrod playing so well. So that seems like it might be, a, in terms of relative strength for UConn, a little bit of a strength on strength there. Uh, but you do look at the secondary, three underclassmen starters, um, if the Bulldogs can keep them in their base and not let them get a nickel back out there, they could have some really favorable one-on-one matchups. Obviously, the last few teams they've played have just torched them and then put a ton of points on the board. So, um, If Fife can get the ball to guys like Jalen Cropper and Nico Armijo and Zane Pope, Josh Kelly, the guys that are winning these one-on-one battles, uh, could be a more optimistic outlook on the passing game than uh, probably many are feeling right now without Jake Hayner. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's there's way too many weapons on this Bulldog team uh, to not get involved. Uh, you know, they, they've got to be probably working on specific packages uh, where um, Fife will be will be able to kind of spread that ball around. Uh, so we'll see what happens uh, when when the Bulldogs hit the field. But uh Again, too many weapons for the Bulldogs to to try and and, and just keep sidelined uh, based off of Hayner's uh, injury. Uh, I, I yeah, I agree. There's going to be a heavy dose of running, uh, but uh, I still believe that there's going to be a heavy dose of passing as well. Granted, not as much as Hayner would probably do, but Fife will have some packages where he can he can uh, uh, let it fly and 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 shine in this game. Now moving on, Fresno State's offense, uh, Fresno State's defense versus Connecticut's offense. Now this is going to be, uh, uh, I don't know. Uh, I think uh, Fresno State's defense still has the edge on this one. What do you think, Jackson? Yeah, especially with the injuries that UConn's going through, um, the Huskies' running game is going to be a big one to watch because both of their starter and their backup are out and. I mean, put yourself in, in Fresno State shoes if they were going through that. If you take Mims and Trot out of the equation, it is just a, a bit of a mystery what the Bulldogs' backfield would be after that. You look at UConn, who actually is going through this with their starter and their backup out. The next guy up is a sophomore who is also injured, playing through injury. And they've got a freshman, I believe a true freshman, Victor Rosa, behind Devontae Houston. So uh, it's pretty thin. It doesn't sound like there's many other options after that. Uh, again, there was an article, I assume it's not all that serious, but Coach Mora did allude to looking at other position units to try to find guys that 
had running experience and, and one of them was a lineman who was about 300 pounds and was a little lighter in high school <laughs> and ran for uh, quite a few yards and touchdowns during his prep career. So I wouldn't be surprising if they do try to get creative at that position and try some other things rather than just the traditional running game. But I mean, that's bad news for them. And you figure if the Bulldogs can just stop a what appears to be a, a lacking running game that if they make the passing game one-dimensional, it, it shouldn't be too difficult of a task to stop that either. Their quarterback, Zion Turner, is going to be one of the better quarterbacks you would expect to see on, on UConn's roster. They did go out and get a transfer from Penn State, but again, he only lasted a couple of passes in their opener. He's been injured, so... In came the true freshman. Uh, he's had some moments, but he is a true freshman. He was just under four-star status when his final evaluation came in uh, in the 2022 class. Had 15 offers, schools like Arkansas and Louisville, LSU, Maryland, Miami, Pitt, Texas A&M. Uh, I mean, he had some legit schools coming after him, uh, whether it was all that legitimate that UConn won or that uh, things changed late in the game, and then he ended up there. You know, one way or another, they've got a pretty talented quarterback. But he's a true freshman, and he's still working out some things. So, uh, probably the biggest concern from the Huskies is just that that quarterback might make a play here or there. But it's hard to imagine something being sustained for four quarters that uh, is going to just overwhelm the Bulldogs or anything like that. Uh, you do need. Fresno State to show you a little more on defense. They haven't looked the greatest the last two games, but they've played two very good teams. So this is kind of a game where they could either establish themselves as more of a, a dominant defense against lesser opponents for the rest of the way, or uh, is there going to be an issue the rest of the season too? Uh, it's still kind of hard to tell. Um, but they won't see a whole lot of overwhelming size on the O-line either. They've got tall, long tackles, six, seven uh, guys that started last year, I believe, too. So... A um, little more experience, but still redshirt sophomores. And I've uh, got a couple of 300-pounders in the interior. To, they got the size at the guard in the center positions to be a solid O-line as well. So um, they're, they're not overly deficient at any position except for running back. But, I mean, that could go a long way in this game being a struggle for them too. Yeah, this is uh, one of those where, uh, you know, even with the injuries, Fresno State is highly favored uh, to come out on top of this one. Um, Even though, you know, uh, UConn might be wanting to uh, kind of return the favor from last year's game uh, here at Bulldog Stadium, which was very, very... Very hot, right, Jackson? I mean, hundred and I believe one hundred and thirty-two degrees down on the field, uh, and, and it was just something that they are not used to to seeing uh, in you know for UConn. Uh, but you know, the score did get out a, a little out of hand towards the end, so you know, a little extra juice for uh, for UConn in this one as the Bulldogs head to their stadium. You think they're gonna they're gonna come out hot in the beginning, right, Jackson? Yeah, I would imagine so. It should feel a little bit better for them to be home after two uh, pretty ugly road trips the past couple of weeks. Um, probably one of the matchups that is worth watching here is that we're told UConn is probably they're expecting them to go a little heavier and you know, more traditional with their offense uh, compared to what the Bulldogs saw most recently against USC. And that could be intriguing with Fresno State linebacker situation with 
Raymond Scott not playing, um, will someone else fill in? Will they, you know, they could use the more three linebacker sets than we imagined they would this season. And it's mostly been because they have three really good linebackers. And uh, not a lot of the players behind them have proven themselves quite yet. But Phoenix Jackson did play quite a bit against USC. And if the Bulldogs are wanting to go with those bigger packages to match up with the Huskies, then a lot could be on Jackson's plate this week. Yeah, so it's going to be a little bit of a different look for the Bulldogs and how they adjust. We will see as the game is nearing, uh, coming up very quickly here this weekend. And uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see how they have been able to deal with these injuries on this off week. But again, the, this buy couldn't have come at a better time for the Bulldogs uh, to, to be able to kind of readjust things, right, Jackson? Yeah, I mean, both mentally and physically. I mean, just talking to even the healthy players, they said they're feeling a lot better um, physically after having the extra time. You know, I mean, USC and, and Oregon State were both pretty physical games for a lot of the guys, and, and they're feeling refreshed. Uh, I mean, it's always hard to go through back-to-back losses, especially when you know, one was such a heartbreaker with Oregon State and the other is uh, also a, a pretty tough mental hurdle when your two captains get hurt. I mean, gosh, that's tough for any team. So they were able to kind of reset mentally and emotionally and physically and also uh, actually put into practice some of the things that they needed to do in replacing those players too. Um, It seems like the energy is good. It's kind of a cautious optimism, see what's going to happen and try to get some momentum going into Boise State. Yeah, and so that is going to be – you know, the, the key is to try and get some momentum heading into Boise State. Now, I, you know, that's the coverage that we have for this upcoming game. And, of course, you brought up Boise State. It was going to be another one of my <laughs> topics here, Jackson. Uh, there's a little bit of news coming out of out of Boise uh, as of late. And, you know, last week they had their matchup uh, against uh, – who was that? They faced they lost U- UTEP. UTEP. Yeah. And after that loss of UTEP, uh, Boise State decided to let go of their offensive coordinator. Uh, you know, a little turmoil happening in Boise land there, Jackson. What do you make of it? Yeah. You know, I, we, we talked previously about uh, <laughs> going to other teams' message boards and seeing what they have to say. And that <laughs> if you're a VIP member, you can read a little bit more uh, of what some of those boards are doing. But um, yeah, I've definitely been lurking on, on their message boards to get a feel about uh, what's been going on there. And man, are they excited about the offensive coordinator move? <laughs> the offense has been ugly, ugly, ugly this season for them, and it was at its worst against UTEP. That was not a very good UTEP team. And again, even though they gave up 27 points to the Miners in that loss, a lot of it was because of how bad the offense was playing, given the field position, there were some special teams plays. Uh, the Miners had just a little over 300 yards while holding the ball for 40 minutes. And the Broncos couldn't even muster up 200 yards of offense on their side. So uh, I still think Boise State's got a very good defense, one of the best in the conference. Um, but their offense has been about as bad as, as it gets. And they've made some pretty impressive moves, frankly. I mean, not only did they get the man responsible for the struggles on offense out of there in a timely fashion. But they brought in Dirk Cutter, who was their head coach, even before Dan Hawkins, that really kind of got the wheels in motion for some of the stuff that the Broncos have accomplished the past couple of decades. 
Uh, he's been a head coach at Arizona State and with the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, was an offensive coordinator in the NFL for a long, long time. So you figure for them, uh, if anyone could lead that offense and, and get them to bounce back, it would probably be this guy. Um, but they are going to have to do it without Hank Bachmeyer, who was reportedly uh, entering the transfer portal, and now that's been confirmed this week. So they're starting quarterbacks out. Uh, he leaves with four games so he can redshirt and play two years elsewhere. I mean, he's done a lot for that program. I don't know if they told him he wasn't going to start because he has been benched before. They have a redshirt freshman that had some success against Oregon State, who with the, I imagine is going to have to step in as the starter. So a dual threat guy, one that uh, you probably are going to be a little nervous about going into that game from Fresno State's perspective. But um, yeah, overall, I mean, we've never seen since Boise State made the move to Division One A or FBS football, you know, that they've ever been in this type of situation with this kind of turmoil, turmoil with, with these kinds of struggles. And we're only two weeks away from the Bulldogs playing them and potentially taking advantage. So it's going to be very interesting to see what they do this week and uh, if they bounce back or if uh, Fresno State can start licking their chops going to the blue turf. Yeah, it's a, it's a refreshing change to kind of see some of this happening out of Boise land there for a little while. Uh, it's uh, it's something that, uh, you know, it, it, Boise has had a very long, successful run. And to see news like this coming out of their camp uh, really just shows you how bad uh, things are, are right now for them to make these kind of drastic moves uh, and the starting quarterback to decide, he doesn't want to be there anymore. That's also another uh, huge red flag as to the direction Boise is headed. But you cannot uh, put it past Boise to kind of get things rolling again. And let's hope that uh, it, it takes them a few weeks to kind of get things figured out uh, after the Bulldogs leave. <laughs> <laughs> so that so that uh, uh, Fresno can go in and take care of business and head back home again and uh, and get things going. So this is this is definitely something new we're not used to hearing. But it, you know, Boise having these issues this week will have to face San Diego State, who let's face it, are having their own problems. <laughs> so um, mm. what is, you know, what does this matchup look like? I mean, is it as big as we thought it was in the beginning or is it kind of faded off? I'd say both. <laughs> I mean, San Diego <laughs> state also is having struggles. Uh, they had probably their best game. Um, I mean, it's hard to say too much about an FCS win, but when, this, uh, when they beat Idaho state by 31 points, but they played a pretty solid Toledo team. Uh, I mean, Toledo's got a pretty high-powered offense, but the Aztecs held up to 14 points. Um, probably fortunate to win that game, even if it was just 17-14, to 14, but it was the most San Diego State-like performance that we've seen from them so far. Feels like they figured some things out, and they might have some momentum going into Boise, but I really see two good defenses and two really bad offenses, and... Um, I would suppose I'd tip my cap to San Diego State a little bit uh, with the, what they can do in the running game to have a bit of an edge against the Broncos, but uh, I think this one's going to be ugly. I think it'll probably be under 40 points maybe, and um, you know whoever gets that last score might win this one. Yeah, this is going to be one, this is going to be one of those uh, 
games that we really don't know what's going to happen. But I believe San Diego State should be able to to kind of edge this one out uh, because Boise is still trying to figure out things uh, heading into this matchup, um, which, uh, you know, could be a good thing for the Bulldogs if San Diego can go in, steal a win from Boise, uh, and set up uh, a matchup between Fresno State and Boise State, and Fresno can come out with another win against Boise, that that could help uh, ensure that Boise doesn't end up in a cha- championship game. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if they start on conference play with two losses, I mean, yeah, that's going to be tough for them. Um, you know, usually my, my thought process is pretty close to the Vegas odds. I'm looking up now over under right at 40 points, but Boise State actually favored by almost a touchdown, so... Um, we'll see if it, it plays out like we think or like Vegas thinks. Yeah, uh, Vegas is not usually too far off, so hopefully we're right this time. <laughs> Let's see what happens here. Uh, one of the other matchups on on the ballot is Utah State will be facing uh, BYU, and I, I don't know what to make of this one, <laughs> Jackson. I'm gonna let I'm gonna let you deal with that one. Yeah, I don't expect any magic from Utah State here. It's been pretty ugly for them this season. Uh, The one thing you can just look at is if uh, the game's any closer or more lopsided than BYU's game against Wyoming last week. Uh, The Cougars beat the Cowboys by 14. It was fairly competitive. Uh, I mean, it wasn't all that close ever, but uh, it wasn't a blowout by any means either. So it kind of can measure stick a little bit, comparative scores, (laughs) where Utah State stands relative to a Wyoming because it just seems like the Aggies are really struggling right now. Yeah, and so that one uh, that one should be BYU coming out on top of that one with all the struggles that Utah State's been having. Uh, but the next game on the matchup is UNLV again uh, taking on New Mexico, and this one's going to be in Las Vegas. And this is a UNLV team that's already one and zero in Mountain West competition, and three and one overall. Surprisingly, so uh, what do you make of this UNLV team? Tougher than uh, than previously thought? I would say their offense is. I mean, they're kicking butt right now. <laughs> uh, they've been putting up a lot of points and a lot of yards. Uh, I don't think you can say the same about their defense or. I mean, I guess you can. They've been giving up a lot of points and a lot of yards, and have, <laughs> but they have not side. been kicking butt. So, uh, they, yeah, so that, I, I think that this one is, um, I mean, you've got a New Mexico team that has, I mean, they're not a great team, but if they do have a strength, it's obviously on defense. Their offense is really bad, so it's kind of a, an odd matchup where you're going to have a decent Lobos defense trying to slow down this. Even all the offense and kind of two bad units probably on when it's the reverse. Uh, I think the uh, rebels ultimately score plenty of points and, and don't have to sweat this one too out. And uh, they'll, in my mind, they'll have their third straight win, and then they go through the gauntlet. They got to go to San Jose State. They play Air Force. They go to Notre Dame. They go to San Diego State, and then they host Fresno State. So we will learn a lot more about the rebels. Uh, before this game against Fresno State in November on Veterans Day, um, after this Friday when they play the Lobos. And if you like Mountain West football, man, there's a lot of it on Friday. That Boise State-San Diego State game kicks off at 5. The UNLV-New Mexico game kicks off at 8. There's only going to be four Mountain West teams in action on Saturday. So 
might want to get your fix in Friday night if you're not under uh, some, some high school Friday night lights. Yeah, exactly. I mean, because uh, we've we've only uh, been talking about two or three games here, and uh, there's only two more games left for us to talk about. Uh, and of course, this one is a is a key matchup. Air Force takes on Navy, uh, a battle of the uh, armed forces here. Uh, so this one, I, I don't know. I, I I think Air Force still has more than what Navy can uh, can dish out. I think uh, I think Air Force in this one. What do you think, Jackson? Yeah, I think so. You know, Navy hasn't had a particularly easy road to start the season, but they haven't been great either. They come off of a win against a pretty solid Eastern Carolina team, and on the road, I mean, they fill up the stadium. One of the few teams that have a little bit more capacity and, and attendance than the Red Wave has on a regular basis at the Group of Five level, and so that was a pretty impressive win they're coming off of. But they open the season with a loss to Delaware from the FCS ranks. They got beaten up pretty good by Memphis. So it's kind of another one where you just check in where Air Force is at. Are they going to win this one uh, pretty decisively? I think if they're as good as we've seen in most weeks from the Falcons, that they will. Uh, but there's still kind of that Wyoming game that's looming over them. How much of it was sickness and people was out for them? and Or how much was it that maybe they're just not as good as maybe we think? So. Um, one of those games where we should get a better idea. I think either way, the Falcons win, whether it's close or, or a blowout. Um, yeah, this is going to be, yeah, going to be interesting to watch. I, I mean, Navy, uh, Air Force. I what surprises me about this matchup, Air Force, uh, from what I've seen on some uh, uh, on some highlights, they've been passing the ball a little more than. I'm used to seeing Jackson, <laughs> so uh, a little strange in my uh, in my opinion. I'm so used to seeing that 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 triple option, and all of a sudden I see uh, deep passes being thrown by by Air Force. What do you make of that? Yeah, I did tune in the other day when their quarterback got injured, and the backup came in and threw an 80 yard touchdown pass, <laughs> and then the starter came back. It was his only throw of the whole season was <laughs> an 80 yard score. Uh, I think they've still been pretty light on the passing attack, but it does look like something that's in their back pocket. Sometimes we see they have quarterbacks that just can't throw it at all, but uh, they got a couple of guys that seem to be capable, but they haven't called it too much yet. Yeah, it's going to be uh, it, Air Force is an enigma to me all the time. So uh, <laughs> not one of my favorite offenses to watch. So we'll we'll see what happens as the season progresses. Um, the last game uh, on the docket is, uh, of course, a Mountain West matchup. San Jose State takes on Wyoming in Wyoming, and Wyoming leads the Mountain Conference at one and zero, along with Boise State, um, and with a three and two overall record. Um, and then San Ho- San Jose State comes in with a two and one overall record. Uh, is does this one mean a lot to either one of these teams, Jackson? Yeah, I think it means a lot to both. I mean, this is a conference where the large majority of teams right now are probably under where they expected to be. I mean, Boise State is, is struggling like we haven't seen before. San Diego State's going through things we haven't seen from them in most years. Fresno State is, even though the two losses are respectable, I'm sure we all envisioned that one and two was kind of the worst case scenario and that they'd be get, able to get to at least two and one at this point. 
I mean, there's quite a few teams. Utah State, the defending champs, looks like they might be one of the worst teams in the whole conference. So there's only a couple of teams that probably feel better right now than where they did entering the season, and these are two of them. I mean, Wyoming went through just massive issues in the transfer portal, losing players without a coaching change. I mean, we've seen teams get overhauled and decimated with the portal, but it's usually with the coaching change. And somehow they've been able to survive what's gone on with that roster over the off season and maintain their staff and put together a pretty competent team. I mean, they're three and two. Uh, they've been pretty solid ever since that first game. They looked real bad against Illinois. Got wins over Tulsa and Air Force. So, I mean, Wyoming's trying to make themselves appear to be a contender. This is one of the games that can cement that. On the same wavelength, you got San Jose State on the other side. I mean, they've got a defense that almost all of the starting lineup was on that 2020 starting lineup that went undefeated in the regular season and won the conference. They've had to try to overhaul the offense. They brought in new transfers to try to match the defensive side. First week was ugly against Portland State, but they went to Auburn, played them close, had a shot to win that game. Then they hosted Western Michigan, a team that obliterated them last year and returned the favor with a 34-6 to win. I mean, that was... I can't recall. I've been covering San Jose State, too, for almost a decade now. I think that's probably the most complete game they've played uh, that I've covered in all that time. So they've got some momentum, and whoever wins this game uh, can feel a lot better about continuing to ride that momentum and being a contender. And the team that loses is going to know they're going to have a loss, and they're going to have to go through the solid teams in their division still with that loss already against them. Of course, the Spartans are going to have to pull off wins against the Bulldogs and the Aztecs if they want to take to the West Division. And Wyoming going to have to do against the same against Boise State. They've already got Air Force out of the way, but uh, this could be a kind of a turning point game, both positively and negatively, for the winner and loser in the matchup. Yeah, so this is going to be one. Of, it's it's a key matchup for either one of these teams, which will help uh, catapult them in uh, in the conference race here. Because let's face it, Jackson, things are a little confusing right now uh, with injuries and teams not being as good as we thought they were, other teams being better. <laughs> so it's a it's a big uh, quagmire happening right now uh, in the Mountain West. And um, and as we start entering into conference play, things are start to get a little clear. So for these two teams, they need to take advantage while they can before other teams get it figured out. Um, and so uh, and Fresno State is one of those teams. They're kind of like in limbo right now, licking their wounds, trying to figure out who the next player is up, how, how long it's going to take to get the, their players back healthy so that they can make a run at the Mountain West title. And right now, um, as far as I'm concerned, that title is wide open for anyone to take at this moment. Uh, yeah, I sure think so as well. So any one of these teams, if they have a good uh, a good run as of late, can make a name for themselves and, and really put themselves in position for a Mountain West uh, title uh, because – Let's face it, everyone's having their own issues right now uh, at this point in the season. Uh, Fresno State with injuries, Boise State, just everything happening. Uh, San Diego State just struggling. I mean, it's it's been, been difficult to watch in some instances. Um, and do you see anybody kind of trying to separate themselves here in the next couple of weeks, Jackson? <laughs> 
Yeah, I still feel like you probably give the edge to both Air Force and Fresno State in their respective divisions. I think if those two teams take care of business um, from here on out, uh, I mean, they should be the two favorites to get to the championship game. And we still have to see uh, if Air Force can be more consistent and rebound from what they went through in the Wyoming game. And they need a little help, of course. Wyoming's going to have to lose for them to, to sneak back in there. And then on Fresno State side as well, we need to see if they're still as good as we anticipate with out uh, Jake Hayner and Evan Williams. That's clearly nothing to, to underestimate, even though we feel pretty good about some of the options that are behind them. So uh, and you kind of have to keep your eye on San Diego State and Boise State. I think it's going to be tough for either of those teams to win the divisions, but you can't really count them out. And then you just keep an eye on UNLV, on San Jose State, on Wyoming. Those three teams look like they're um, you know, more contenders than we anticipated, and uh, they could be a couple of big wins away from really cementing themselves in those races too. Yeah, so this is uh, is about to heat up, Jackson, as they would say. Uh, things are, are going to start to try. Teams are going to try and start to try and separate themselves at this point in the season. Every win at this point is going to be very important because uh, if some of these sleeping giants can get it together, um, it, it may be too late for for them to to make a run. If these other teams can just continue to win, so it, it's it's kind of a turning point right now, Jackson. <laughs> if 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 a certain team can just make a, a little bit of a run. It may be just enough for them to get themselves into that uh, that title uh, contention. So uh, we'll we'll keep monitoring the situation as uh, as things progress in the Mountain West week to week. Uh, of course, next week will be the first full blown conference battle between uh, between teams. There will be no more non conference matches from that point on. So uh, this week is a, you know everyone's last chance to get another one of those wins under their belt before it just becomes all, an all-out battle in the Mountain West. Um, any final thoughts, Jackson, as we start heading off on this? Uh, yeah, the only other thing I want to add is that uh, the basketball team did have their very first practice on Monday. Both the men's and women's teams, to clarify, both have their practices. We got to see a little bit of both, talk to the coaches. And uh, we should have that update here this week as well. Um, get a look at some of the new players and really break down the very initial stage of the basketball season. So if you're into hoops, uh, you'll get the scoop there too uh, on Barkboard VIP. Uh, right now it's only a dollar to join for your first month and uh, or you can lock yourself in for a year, get 30% off while you do it too. Yeah, absolutely. So if you uh, haven't done so already, make sure you become a member of the Bark Board where you can get all the latest news and updates. And, uh, you know, as always, if you're looking for Jackson, you can find him on Twitter at JacksonMoore247. You can find me on Twitter at Red Wave Report. Uh, and if you haven't done so already, give a like to our Facebook page uh, for thebarkboard.com. And, uh, and like we mentioned, head over to the Bark Board. Uh, get your subscription. Um, we do have both free and premium subscriptions there. Um, but the uh, premium is where you want to be to get all the latest news and updates uh, way before it hits to the public. Uh, that being said, I want to thank everyone for joining us. Join us again next week as we continue the ongoing coverage 
of Fresno State Athletics.